This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process and has three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42. They're all alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the US and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. Again, that's seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. And we are so glad you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast episode 156. Christmas episode. Christmas episode. I'm feeling so Christmassy and we have a great one as always for you tonight. I speak to Evian Whitney. She is, get this, a sexuality doula. I thought she was a sensuality doula. Sexuality doula, sensuality doula, they all have a lot to do with each other. She's an author. But what comes to your mind when you hear sexuality doula? Well, first of all, what is it? What does she like to be called? A sexuality doula. Oh, okay. Uh, sex. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, <laughs> you'll hear this in the interview, but I go over with her my understanding of what a doula is, which is somebody that is there with you during things. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I kind of had it thinking that i guess she was helping people during the act no she's probably just on speakerphone right well no 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 there's a wide range of sexuality doulas it is very interesting you got to hear it and we just talk about pleasure we talk about receiving pleasure giving pleasure the things that we find pleasurable in life and why it is so important to really savor that you know what i mean yeah i like pleasure i love it we're we're been pleasure binging the past couple of days, like with food, gifts, good company. All that is also considered pleasure for those with their minds in the gutter. But Shane, I want to give you a little cheers. Where's your little drink? So, non-alcoholic cocktail for the night. We're keeping it simple with a seed lip garden 108 and tonic. Cheers, babe. very tasty always always so just coming off christmas we're currently recording this on boxing day and getting into the phase of the holidays and shane and i talk about this privately all the time because i I love this phase where the days blend in you don't know what's what you're eating pie for breakfast you're maybe having one too many cocktails or just more than you used to and it just feels so cozy like I feel like I'm in this holiday bubble where I never have to take off my pjs and it's just so nice do you feel shitty at all no 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 no. I currently at this moment feel great and I felt great all day we cleaned the house from the Christmas mess all day and you know that's like lots of moving I was broke a sweat at about 2 p.m but I feel really good yeah me too for now I'm trying to avoid that shame guilt cycle for you know, relaxing too much, Mm-mm. drinking too much, eating too much. I'm trying to avoid it this year. 
You you need to do those things because Shane, like honestly, think about our year. Think about what we do and how we treat ourselves. We never take the time to relax. Even when we go somewhere to relax, we don't end up relaxing. We end up working in some capacity. You know what I mean? That's not true. Often. When? When was the last time we did that? Let's I, see. I, I disagree wholeheartedly. Okay, with that I was going to say Detroit, but we didn't That's work in true. Detroit. No, uh, when we went we to St. Martin for, you had to do like <laughs> two stories or something. Yeah. It was the easiest trip of our lives. <laughs> I disagree, Alex. I don't know. I don't think we relax very often, though, Shane. It's true. In fact, I would say the one thing we're good at, though, mm-hmm. is going away and relaxing. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if we're good at relaxing at home. I think we're great at relaxing on vacation. I agree, but. For sure, it's all gonna try. I am right now. (laughs) What do you think? Like, look, Shane. Think about our freaking night. The kids actually went down. Betty fell asleep at six p.m. Folks, Lucy fell asleep by seven. Shane and I were asleep on the couch at seven ten p.m. It was a freaking phenomenal feeling. Day in the last hour and a half, we snuggled. We. Fell asleep, which I never fall asleep ever. Yeah. I, then I woke up. I'm like, huh, you know, what time is it? Thinking it's after midnight. Yeah. It's just past seven. Oh, it's a trip. You know, and then we go snuggle in the other room, do God knows what in there. And then and come out. We we're, we did a shot of fireball. Like 15 year olds. I don't I don't drink fireball, but the last two days, it's <laughs> you think it was my go to thing. We both got it in our stockings, by the way. I'm drinking seed lip now. I shotgunned a beer before this, drank a fireball shot. <laughs> yeah, this is, there's no rules. It's like we're at sea or in the Wild West. It's kind of nice. And that's the thing. I really love this phase. And Shane, since we're still in the holidays, I do want to talk about our gifts. And I've been avoiding mm. it, but I want to know, selfishly, how did I do this year, stocking gift-wise? Well, I think a big part of Christmas is the surprise. <laughs> And sometimes you know the gift. So there's the perfunctory gift. It's the big one, I'll call it, where the the spouse maybe directly asks you to get it. And you're like, okay, this is the main gift I'm mm-hmm. getting for, let's call her Alex. She pretty much is guaranteed that she knows she's getting that. But I'll try to surprise her and take mild risks with the other tertiary gifts. Yeah. But it's my job to protect the um, mystery behind those extra gifts. Maybe they'll <laughs> flop, maybe they won't, but the surprise is worth its weight in gold. So for you, you had the big gift, which I, this um, very nice sweatshirt I wanted. Mm-hmm. I knew for the most part because you told me that I was going to get that one. But I, I have big questions about that because did you know that you got it because that's your big question i just answered it no but i had run into so many problems trying to acquire this like this sweater and then i was like oh maybe you know because at one point i didn't have it anymore i know so i was like maybe that threw him off the scent enough and i never told you that i acquired it but we're in the information age i i know you're going to be able to find it like you're pretty good (laughs) online it's what you do for like a business right so i was Let's say I had an 88% chance that you were going to get that. Anyway, I was thinking about the other gifts you might get me. Right. And I was excited about them because you kept saying, oh, these packages, you know, (laughs) don't look, Shane. Oh, this. And I was like, my God, what is going on? Like, she's so secretive. This must be really good. I casually walk out one day. (gasps) 
And you just have this Dennis Rodman t-shirt that you're rapping with Lucy and you scream at the top of your lungs like I committed a crime like I shouldn't be walking in the common area in her kitchen no attempt to go in another room that's not common okay look you were doing work in the office and Lucy wanted to know what she got you for Christmas so I brought down a couple things I was like you want this or this and she's like I want to give him that points to the Rodman t-shirt so I'm all stoked you were outside my office well down a hallway and then to the right but hallway to To, the right and right there but you had just gone in the office so i'm thinking i have at least 20 minutes you just went in there do you alex i'm in and out of that office 10 times i I forget a pen i want a sip of water now i want a little (laughs) treat i'm in the pantry i'm in and out probably in 10 minutes i'm in and out 10 times (laughs) you're clearly procrastinating then yeah i'm not denying (laughs) that it's not an indictment on my work ethic here this is my behavior so knowing shane it's okay this would be a high traffic area for shane maybe we don't wrap it with a toddler it's going to take a long time she's going to be loudly loud about it she's probably going to like verbally be like "Ooh, this is daddy's going to like this t-shirt basketball like she's going to be saying (laughs) buzzword you would think you would stay away from that area anyway that surprise was ruined but that was a great gift that was my favorite gift probably right however the surprise element brings it down were you surprised when you caught me and you were like whoo that looks sweet it was one of those things where i was just like of course that's a perfect (laughs) gift and then my of courseness acted like it wasn't that surprising Mm -hmm. but in reality i would have never thought that you would have gotten me that Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. When I got it for you, I was looking at all the other Dennis Rodman t-shirts and I was like, how can I only be getting one of these? Because it's so sweet. But the shipping was all nuts if you only get one. I don't know. It was a stupid, stupid move only getting one. Which I agree. We remedied that last night. Yes, we we had a little bit of fireball last night. (laughs) And I'm so happy with my Rodman gift. I just decide to be a Rodman guy now. And every item of clothing that I wear from now on is going to be a Rodman t-shirt. So we ordered six Rodman t-shirts. Yeah, they were on a special. Which or was it five? Five. Five. And three of them were on special, which they did not honor in the checkout process. So we have to email this website now and be like, yo, honor your Boxing Day deal. But yeah, you your whole personality is going to be Rodman now. I yeah. like it. How do you think that will be perceived by your friends? pretty on the nose for who I am. <laughs> but with everything else, I got you a high quality coffee mug, high quality tea no. mug. Oh, high quality coffee and yes. tea. I forgot. Yeah, I love the tea one. Uh, the high quality coffee mug, I thought it, I thought it was good. Like, I love that mug. Mm-hmm. I, I will sing its praises forever. I had mentioned to you how I love this mug for you because you love really hot coffee and this mug can keep it it almost heats it up in it it's ridiculous for me i have this mark's work warehouse one that's perfect because it doesn't keep my coffee that hot i mean Mm -hmm. and you know what am i doing disparaging a gift right now but this was the question (laughs) i'm an honest guy and i want to really break it down for your benefit hey i'm here listening um but yeah that was my only thing i figured out a way to utilize this coffee mug Mm -hmm. Uh, but yes, I, th- I do think 
For you, it was a 10 out of 10 gift. For me, it's probably 7.5 out of 10. Get out of here. Because if you just leave the the lid open, not, you know, like the drinking part, the spout open, then you're going to get the cool air in there. It's going to get to a perfect temperature for you, for your little sensitive tongue. I have a whole routine that I do with work and I have a job where I can go in and out. Mm -hmm. Whereas you being trapped as a teacher, sometimes you can't leave. So I love that mug for somebody who is chained to their desk it's true and who's like i just thought for you this is the ideal gift but yeah we're just critiquing gifts here right you brought this on yourself i'm in i'm in love all the gifts though and the the tea mug i never knew i needed it and that's also a good gift a good thing about christmas because sometimes people say what's the point in gift giving you Mm -hmm. can just buy something for yourself you really want it what's this whole charade of exchanging things especially within the confines of a marriage where you share a bank account (laughs) But one of the benefits is you can get me something I didn't even know I really wanted, like that tea mug. I will say it's for loose leaf tea. Loose leaf, yes. We got you some nice loose leaf tea to go with it. And you're a tea snob in the making, I feel like. Yeah, I, I, I really like tea. It's relaxing. I like. Uh, I didn't know tea had caffeine in it, in fact, until... Get out. Yeah, I always thought tea was to but- go to bed. I didn't but wait, know. wait, wait. Like, you know that British people don't drink coffee, they drink tea. I did. I thought it was just habitual. I, I didn't know. I thought people who drank tea were insane because they didn't have caffeine. Oh, my gosh. Now I get it. Yeah, you can get very strongly, highly caffeinated teas. Yes. Um. Yeah, well, I was asking because you absolutely killed Christmas this year from my end. Yes. I mean maybe the best ever i think hands down the best ever i'm still reeling oh good yeah it was great it was really great uh and you know like the gift that i knew was the dyson got that you know a couple weeks ago but that turned out not even really being i had a christmas without that dyson that wasn't even really included anymore because you got me other main gifts well you did something that i'm going to say i don't know if it's allowed in the world of gift giving. Okay, you. I think. Okay, go ahead. You may have said it last week when you were like, "Get me the Dyson." Wait, I don't want it anymore. I don't know if people listen every episode, <laughs> so I'll condense it very quickly. You sent me an email that said, "Do not get me the Dyson Airwrap for Christmas," <laughs> because you had this viral video where you sang the praises of yeah. the Dyson Airwrap video. Smartly, you thought, "Why don't we just get Dyson?" To send us an air app. They have the weirdest oh, way to awful. contact their social media people in the world. It's like a million security systems to even get somebody to ignore you and leave you unread. So I'm like, okay, well, the option is to buy it or to not have it. Mm-hmm. But you essentially said, this is not going to be a gift for me. I'm just <laughs> going to buy it. Yeah. This is after I've already purchased it. So I'm thinking, well, no, honey, it would make a great gift. <laughs> But to you, it's you just think, like, I deserve this. I've done so much advertising for them. So that, for me, I, I bought it. I just gave it to you. It's like, here's your air wrap. It's, I guess it's for work, in a sense, because you are an influencer and you talk about your hair a lot. And yeah. People always want to know. So it's that's a write-off. That, hopefully, literally, and hopefully I one day learn what a write-off is. But maybe we can be <laughs> reimbursed for that purchase. So now I had to think of other gifts that I could get you because my big ticket 
purchase mm-hmm. was meaningless. It, it didn't even feel like you would it appreciate it. It was not it. meaningless, by the way. I have to say, I absolutely loved it. It just means that I can stop boring my cousins now, which is yes. amazing. Well, you cried when you got it. So that feeling is very good when you give someone a gift and they cry tears of joy. Hold I would on. think that's You got the- two cries this holiday? I forgot I cried over the air wrap. Yeah, you did. You cried. You did. Yes. No, I remember now, but I forgot. You just unlocked that memory. Yeah. And just to uh, let people know, you cried again. That's what Alex was saying, two cries, because uh, I got you these, I don't know, six inch weird Barbie fuzzy high heels. They're Jeffrey Campbell hot pink ostrich feather stilettos. They're absolutely absurd and amazing. And... I wanted them. I like posted about them like three months ago. And I was like, oh, my dream shoes are so expensive. Why do they have to do that? And then you, when did you get that? I want to know the story behind these. Like, did you get the shoes right away in anticipation for Christmas? Or did you somehow kick back your memory and get those? No, I didn't kick back the memory. I just remember you had done a post. So I screen grabbed it whenever you did it. So then I just always have it in my screen grabs. And then if I was in a jam, I thought, okay, I'll buy this if I'm in a jam. So cut to air wrap not being appreciated. (laughs) I'm thinking, what's a good thing? I look at these Jeffrey Campbell shoes and they looked very silly. So I I bought them Mm -hmm. thinking, yeah, this is a coin flip. It could go well, it might not. And then what was the other thing I got you? I can't remember. Oh, you got me you got me a sweater from one of my favorite shops, uh, never fully dressed. And then you got me two Lululemon bag belts, belt bags yes. in different and, colors. And Lululemon shorts. Yeah. But yeah, it's all to say if you're not super creative or thoughtful, just start throwing money around at stuff and <laughs> you're bound to make your partner happy. You know, if I was very creative and thoughtful and could write songs and paint pictures, I probably would have done that. Thank but God th- you can't, because I love my stuff. Yes, I'm very materialistic <laughs> in terms of gift giving, and I throw money at problems. So that it worked, though, because your reaction to the shoes exceeded expectations. Yes. Yeah, and you I were really shocked. genuinely crying a lot. So, of course, I thought, why can't we turn this into content? <laughs> and I filmed you at the perfect moment, just 12 yeah. seconds of you crying. We threw it on TikTok, and it's... I think it's at like 500,000 views right now. That is so funny. And okay, I I need to clear the air on this because the listeners are going to think that I am a materialistic witch. Shane, the reason I was like, okay, air wrap, there were two reasons, not as a gift. Reason number one was because I was like, okay, I've, I've done so much free advertisement for Dyson, whatever, we can work something out. Reason number two was because all of the women on the set of your show that we were filming in September, they had all convinced me just to go out and buy it. Because I like we, we got in a conversation because you had gone on a, a trip with your friends, like a bachelor party. And it was in Chicago and you guys were like spending money and stuff. And then the girls were like, Alex, like that's, you know, cheaper than a flight to or like a trip to Chicago. You should just get it. And then they convinced me that I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get it. The women you're talking about are 22-year-olds, yes. unencumbered, zero children, yes. don't know a lot about finances, taxes, <laughs> things like that. So, yeah, I don't know if I would take financial advice from them. Well, hey, or I like was like revenge sold. purchases. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, I was happy not getting it, but I did think we could work something out. But Shane, I appreciate that thing every time I wash my hair. And I feel like every time I curl my hair now, I have like tears of joy in my eyes that I get to use that. 
Fantastic. It makes me so happy. But before we move on in the interview, I want to ask your favorite kid moment. Because as we know, and like as parents, if you're a parent, you know that Christmas, you get a kind of a second wind when you have kids. And it just, it's renewed in this really exciting, fun way. And you feel the magic in a lot of ways like you did when you were a kid. It's a little bit different, but it feels magical again, more than just about like drinking and presents and family gatherings, whatever. So there are a couple moments for me, like the morning was super fun, you know, when the kids ran downstairs and whatnot. But on Christmas Eve, Lucy was just like, Losing her mind, right? Because her and Betty had done like a little preemptive sister gift exchange before Christmas Eve dinner. And then as Europeans, as we do a big Christmas Eve celebration, like a like meatless, big, huge, fun thing. It's like, it's essentially the same as Christmas dinner. It's amazing. So Lucy's going from, you know, her sister gifts to cousin gifts. She's getting stuff from her aunt and uncles. We had this huge dinner where she's getting fed cookies and she's eating all these yummy things and dinner was great. She's got her best friend there, her older cousin, and she's just out of breath with excitement. And she runs up to me and she goes, mommy, why is everything so exciting? And I was like, this is it. This is so magical. And that's how I used to feel. And that's how she was making me feel again. And then the other moment was when, when even was it? Was it this morning? You know, it was last night. So Shane and I had been cleaning up. So it was like after Christmas dinner and everything, we come home and we're just kind of trying to tidy up things a little bit. So it's not so chaotic in the morning, which it still was. And I took all the toys that the girls had been given, which was mostly like Barbies and my little ponies. And I had just set them up on the chair. And then I was like, well, I want them to be excited when they see all their stuff in the morning all together. And then Lucy, of course, hadn't fallen asleep yet because she's still wired. So she runs down. She's talking to Shane and I just about nothing, right? Because she wants to elongate her awake time. And then all of a sudden she catches a glimpse of all the toys out of the corner of her eye. And she totally loses track of what she was going to say. She just starts sputtering like, hum, 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 and she's staring at these things and it's like she's drooling. And then she just stopped talking altogether and stared at the toys. And Shane and I were dying. It was so funny. It was so cute. So Shane, with all the magical moments, you know, I gave my two, but what is yours? I uh, don't know if it's necessarily pure magical, but kind of. Weeks ago, we were at Limeridge Mall which is a famous Hamilton mall. And we went to this one store called, what, Miso? Oh, it's Miniso. Miniso. And Lucy was just in that phase where everything she looked at, she goes, I want that for Christmas. Can I have this for Christmas? <laughs> and I say, yes, yes. So everything she pointed at, I would take a picture. And it was close enough to Christmas where I'm actually like, she's getting this stuff. Like everything she gets is actually really helpful because I don't know what to put in the stocking. Anyway, Lucy comes down in the morning. She's like, Princess Peach. She's like, because Princess Peach was hanging out the stocking. She was so happy. She dumps out all the stocking toys. Some of them, she's like, what is this? Yeah. So I guess some of the toys, she's like, oh, I didn't really want this. I was just testing the limits of like, will I be able to get whatever I asked for? And then she's like, uh, mommy, daddy, why is everything from oh, Miniso? God. And we're like, uh, well, Santa has the ability to create <laughs> objects that are from the mall. He but can he, perfectly duplicate them. But he does them with more love with his elves. Yes. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And she believed it. 
Which is such an obvious lie that we're doing. (laughs) So that's kind of magical. The fact that obviously she's busted us. Mm -hmm. And it was straight out of a movie where we're definitely caught. And then the character with like a lower IQ would be like, oh, okay. It would be like a comedy. (laughs) So it was like that situation. But it reminded me of me as a kid because I had such a small time that I believed in Santa. And I always think about that with Lucy. Next year, I truly believe is her last year of believing in Santa. She's already so almost onto it. And Lou is so inquisitive. I think five is going to be the cap for Lucy and maybe six or seven for Betty Tops. I don't know. Their cousin is what, 10, 8? She's so, she totally believes. So who knows? Because if I think it has a lot to do with their friends at school. And if their friends at school are in on it and they all believe, I think she will too longer. Lou's suspicious, question asker, very, she told me she didn't believe in the magic of, um, she wanted to test me, she said, (laughs) what's that elf? Jolly. Jolly, the elf on the shelf. She's like, I don't believe that Jolly actually flies around every (laughs) night back to the North Pole. She's like, what do you think of that? I I go, I I don't know how she does it either. (laughs) I go, I don't know, I'm suspicious myself. But then Lucy is like, oh, okay. Yeah. If dad was trying to convince me, he would try to push it on me. But the fact I didn't, I felt like she was believing it more because I was acting like I don't know how it works either. And like, maybe it's not yeah. real type of thing. When I was five, I went on a mission to find every Christmas gift because I was like, here's the fact. If Santa's real, the presents aren't going to be under the bed. Yeah. If he's if he's not real, <laughs> they're going to be under the bed. Boom. Under the bed. All the <laughs> gifts are there. And my mom caught me finding it. So my mom knew I knew. See, we got to find, because she is like that and she's inherited that from you, we need to find a good hiding place next year, like in our creepy basement or somewhere in your office, just somewhere where she won't go. I'm telling you, the gig is up. Not yet, Shane. No, next year's her last year. I'm pulling for more. I won't be surprised, but I'm pulling for more. But, you know, Shane, with that, I say we get to our conversation with Evian Whitney. Let's do it. But before we do that, let's let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs make the best nursing bras that you can get your hands on. And if you're not a nursing mother anymore, no fear, Shane. I ain't scared. They now have an everyday collection. So these are bras with no clips, but that same amazing comfort and quality that you fell in love with when you were a nursing mother and, you know, doing that whole clip thing every day, sore boobs, the whole shebang. They get you hooked when you have the baby and then they get a bra for when you don't have one anymore. <laughs> it's worked Or I guess out. you still have the baby. I don't know what I'm saying. You know what I mean, though. You're on the right track. Everyday collection. Everyday It's not just bras. for nursing mothers. No. Anybody with boobs. And folks, you will love them. Take my word for it. They are... So comfortable. I'm a good pitch, man. But you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use our promo code to get 20% off. That is this family tree 20. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and this family tree 20. And now let's get to our conversation with Evian. Evian, thank you so much for joining me on this Family Tree podcast. I've been so excited to have you on. And it's it's just a conversation that I've been looking forward to having with you. And the more research I do, the more I kind of look into you, the more fascinating your work, 
you as a person, your experience, everything becomes. So mm -hmm. I'm very much looking forward to touching base. And I'd like to start. So you're an author. You're a, set, a sexuality doula. When I think of doulas, and again, like I come from a space in the motherhood community, right? Yeah. What is a sexuality doula? What do you do? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great place to start. I get this question a lot. And I think my answer surprises folks because it's not too far off from what birthing doulas do. So my work as a sexuality doula, rather than giving birth to a human being, I am helping guide and support you as you are giving birth to your authentic sexual self and all of the components that make that part of you. So it's not just about the sex that you have. It's about the pleasure that you prioritize for yourself. It's about the relationship you have with your body. It's about getting down to the nuances of your identities and your desires and your wants, and also being very fluent and literate in the language that your body speaks. So yeah, uh, as a sexuality doula, I'm a guide and a companion for folks who are on this journey of wanting to heal and liberate their sexuality. Okay. And now in total layman's idiot terms. Because again, when I'm picturing this, when I'm picturing like a birth doula or something like that, like this is going to seem like such a stupid question to you. But honestly, <laughs> we, we like to dumb things down on this Family Tree podcast. Are you like there with somebody while they're masturbating and getting in contact with themselves? Yeah, not at this time. I am very open to that being a part of my work down the line. But people's clothes are on. We are not in a sexual context. I am actually creating and generating conversations and facilitating somatic practices outside of a sexual context that will help get people in touch with what they want within their sex life and what they want out of their relationship with their body and the steps that they need to take, the actions that they need to make, um, and the commitments that they want to keep to themselves mm -hmm. to keep their pleasure prioritized. So yeah, I, that's, I actually, it's not a stupid question. I get that question a lot because people are like, well, doula, we know that somebody's in the room birthing a baby. So you never you in the know. room? Honestly, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, especially the time we live in now, there's a profession for everything. And I think that there is a need for everything. And people are so much more open to experiencing these things and to seeking help in certain ways that it would it would be surprising but not shocking you know what i mean yeah yeah are there sexuality doulas that do function in that way totally there's sexological body workers um i'm thinking about somatic sex educators i'm even thinking about sex workers mm -hmm. you know i mean these this yeah. is the kind of work that that sex workers do so yes there are definitely folks whose job it is to be in the room <laughs> while you're having sex or at least facilitating coaching in that capacity that is not my shtick yet <laughs> i'm open to it if it presents itself in the future but yeah for now my work has looked like just yeah having these conversations, creating a safe environment outside of a sexual context mm -hmm. to bring forth discussions about sex and bodies and gender and kink and all of these things that often don't even get touched on for most folks. So that even in of itself, like just having that conversation, just creating that space to talk and like bring into the room and name the things that you want or the traumas that you've experienced, that is like deeply impactful and powerful work. Oh, I believe it. I mean, 
again, speaking to my community, right? It's a lot of women who have kind of lost touch with their bodies, don't recognize their bodily functions anymore, how their body looks anymore. And the hormonal change that's going on has a lot of impact for women who have had kids. And it can be hard. It can be really hard. Um, Whether it's, you know, finding yourself in a place where you don't want it anymore and that connection is kind of foreign to you or where you do want it and you just don't know how to start because you don't feel comfortable. And I want to ask, because it is so fascinating, how did you get into this business? Hmm. From a really emotional and selfish place, I was not in a frame of mind to do this as my job or to be a facilitator in this way, but I was having a lot of issues with my sex life and I was having a lot of disconnection with my body. Um, I come from a background of growing up in a conservative household in a conservative community underneath the pressures of religious um, purity culture-esque type stuff. I, I signed a purity contract when I was eight and that- eight? Yeah. Eight years old. That was the first one. I signed two, actually. I signed one when I was eight, and I think I signed another one maybe when I was 10. I don't know why we got it twice. Maybe they just wanted to make sure that it was like in us. Eight's a little young to be signing that purity contract. Yeah. You know, I mean, when we think about children's development, it's not too... It's not too early to begin a conversation around sex and bodies, but it is kind of a strange time. I, I I can speak personally for me when I was signing this contract. I had no idea what I was signing. I just knew that it was going to get me to heaven. It was going to make my parents proud, and I wanted to be a good girl. So, yeah, signing that purity contract really like laid the foundation for me of what is possible, um, which there wasn't a lot of possibility within my relationship with sex and my sexuality. And um, yeah, I, w- I really came to this work wanting to fix myself. I-, I knew that so many of my friends were having incredible sexual experiences and they were talking about these multiple orgasms that they were having. And I was like, wow, that is not that is not my experience at all. Is there something wrong with me? And so I went down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out like, okay, what is what is here? Because I'm obviously having a different experience than other people are. And what I found was that my story is so common. I was walking around thinking that everybody was having amazing sex and I was the only person on earth that was feeling really disconnected and just like, not really knowing how to operate in that space. But the more that I talked about it publicly, the more that I came forward with my story, the more I heard from other people, women and femme identifying folks who were raised in similar ways, who had the same questions, the same shame narratives that I'd been given. And it was from that place that I was like, okay, I want to keep going deeper into my own healing. And I'm also recognizing that a lot of people are looking to me to help support them and guide them. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, when I started this work almost 12 years ago, there wasn't very much space on the internet talking about the things we see today around pleasure and orgasms and sexual liberation. You had to go to a very specific part of the internet to find that, even just 12 short years ago. So I really took it upon myself to be like, all right, well, if nobody else is talking about it, and if the people that are talking about it don't look like me and don't have the same experiences as I do, 
I guess I will be the one to continue to heal myself publicly, to talk about this in a way that like honors my authentic unfolding. And yeah, people really resonated with what I shared. And slowly but surely, I started to get these little inklings of like, hmm, maybe this is something that I could do as a service for folks. You know, maybe this is a space that I can create for other people to approach sex and sexuality and gender and bodies and pleasure and sensuality from a place of not shame, but also not being prescriptive. And so, so much of my work is about like, I want you to be the most authentic version of your sexual self, even if it means it's counter to what Mm -hmm. our culture tells you your sexuality should look like. Mm -hmm. So if that means that you're asexual, if it means that you had a high libido and now you have a low one, if it means that you still are dealing with being triggered, even though your trauma happened 20, 30 years ago, like being able to give folks space to be who they are without shaming them, blaming them or pathologizing them. I think that was so eloquent and so beautiful. And that's such a great reason to get into something, honestly. And you started off by saying for selfish reasons or or whatever, but I yeah. think that it, it's kind of a vocation early on, even if you, you didn't necessarily <laughs> realize that. And it seems like something that you were called to do internally. And I think it's really amazing yeah. that you got into this. And, you know, I see you talking about pleasure a lot. And, you know, I, I was thinking, I was like, okay, what do I think? Like when I think of the word pleasure, just free association, I'm like my favorite bite of food, the f- sip of like a really nice red wine, sex, mm. kissing, mm-hmm. a million different things. But what what is pleasure to you? And do you, is there a way you define it with the people you work with? Yeah, I love what you associate with pleasure. Um, I love just like the the wide spectrum of what you and your own body knows pleasure to be for you. I think that that's really beautiful. Yeah. And my definition of it is not too far off from your experience of it just now. You know, pleasure for me is about being in your body and savoring the ways, the things the sensations that make your body feel good and pleasure in our culture and so much within like the narratives that we've been given, particularly if you were raised in a religious, um, with a religious background is that pleasure is about sex and, you know, your pleasure can't be trusted because if you go into pleasure, you might not be able to come out of it. And there's all this talk about hedonism and being lazy. And like, we just, our minds go to this, these really dark places when we talk about or even just think about what it might be like to bring on board more pleasure in our lives. And part of my work is trying to destigmatize pleasure and make it be like this normal resource that we all should have access to and that it's not this one particular moment, like 20 minutes out of our day. Um, And I'm thinking about sex in particular, because I know a lot of people, they only give themselves permission to experience pleasure, the full wide range of pleasure within a sexual context. And then everything else, it's like, okay, well now I'm going to be stoic and I'm going to like cut my carbs back and I'm going to make sure that I say no to dessert or whatever. And I'm like, what would it be like to bring that that requirement that I think a lot of us have when we're in sex to be like, 
I want this to be a pleasurable experience. Otherwise, what the hell am I doing? What would it be like to do that in the rest of your life? And to like bring, to bring on things, to prioritize feelings, sensations, experiences, being with people, experiences through the senses and have that be a practice and to not look at it as a, you know, a thing that is something that we do for ourselves as a reward. Cause that's another trap that I can see us getting into. Like I will give myself a bite of cheesecake after I finish this 30 page document that I have to proofread. That's like the first thing that popped up in my mind. Um, like we, and like, it's, I get where that comes from. We live in a world that really values productivity and like continuing to drive forward and be a productive member of society. And sometimes, you know, pleasure as a reward can be a really good tool to, um, keep you grounded and focused on what you really want. But I really want us to take pleasure out of this landscape of like, if I, I have to be this in order for me to experience pleasure. Like what if like you deserve pleasure just by virtue of breathing today and you make it a priority to seek that for yourself. Um, and not in these random moments, but on purpose. Okay. I'm trying to, so the way that you just described that Oh my gosh, it's and it is just getting out of my brain. I have to look it up. Shine hard like a gem like flame. It was one of the most one of the things when I was doing my undergrad, I think that stuck with me the most. And I don't know why it is escaping me right now. Walter Pater. Okay. To burn always with the hard gem like flame is to maintain ecstasy in life. And it's mm. just it's about finding pleasure in everything, like you were just saying. And to not do so, I think makes for such a, it's just sad. It's kind of sad. And a woman actually recently sent me a really nasty, the undertones were nasty message online because I had been like dining out with my kids and we're all eating like total junk food, having a great time. And I was saying how much fun we were having. She goes, oh, you're getting too much pleasure from food. That's so toxic. And it turned into this discussion. It's like, why wouldn't I get pleasure from food? I get pleasure from food. I get pleasure from what food, eating food brings, people, laughs, good times. Preparing the food. I like the feel of it on my hands. I like the smell of things. There's so much joy in that. And I think that if you, Eviana, are like on a mission to help people find that joy. That is such a noble cause. And I need to sign that woman up with you because she (laughs) seemed like she was lacking it. That was awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm really sorry that you have that experience. And also like, I hear this all the time, you know, the ways that we undercut our ability to experience joy and aliveness. I think that's what pleasure for me is about. It's it's not just about feeling good. It's about feeling alive. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the things that make me feel the most alive in my body and the most present with the people around me, I am feeling good. I'm doing something that feels good. I'm with people that make me feel soft and like give me these like warm sensations in my body. So like pleasure is about aliveness. It's about like really connecting to your dignity and your enoughness of like, I deserve to feel good, especially in this horrible world that we live in. 
that is constantly throwing us all kinds of wrenches and like just making us feel just God awful. I really see the reclamation of our pleasure, the prioritization of our pleasure and our aliveness as a radical act. Like that is, that is the answer to the patriarchy. It's the answer to white supremacy. It's the answer to capitalism, consumerism. And I mean, I want to touch on that consumerism piece too, because like there's this thing of like hedonism. And I see a lot of people get really caught up as I was talking about before with like, okay, but like pleasure, 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 we got to work. Like we can't just like be blobs on the couch and eat, you know, chocolate covered strawberries all day. Like we need to be responsible beings. And then there's also this piece of like, oh, well, in order for me to experience pleasure, I have to be extravagant. I have to book a four hour, you know, spa session. I have to spend $7,000 on a flight and accommodations in Bali. And to both of those things, I say like, that is great. I think that it's important to have those times where we want to be lavish and we want to be hedonistic. And we take those times and those moments to really feel into those sorts of pleasures and to also spend a lot of money doing so. But that's not what this is about for me. Like I'm always sort of preaching to people that pleasure is about balance. And I know that our culture has said to us that like, you know, pleasure to be in a relationship with pleasure, you are automatically unbalanced. And I really want to just question that and ask people like, what does it look like for you to be in a balanced relationship with pleasure? And to not go in this area of like, oh, well shit, now I have to have like $5,000 that I spend every couple of months so that I can do this thing. I don't, I mean, $5,005, whatever. But like the most pleasurable experiences I have had have been free. Mm -hmm. And that's, because it is about me breathing into my belly and like feeling into all five, six of my senses. Mm -hmm. Like that to me is what pleasure is about. It's not so much about buying the thing, doing something expensive or being too much with pleasure to the extent that you're doing the most. Like it's, it really is about intention and it's about connecting to yourself. Yeah. And, you know, to, the political and societal aspects that you were saying. I mean, the people telling us to like fear pleasure and be wary of pleasure. I mean, let's look at the double stands. We have guys like Matt Gates, where you're in the US, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, we have power hungry and secretly hedonistic religious people of all religions totally. all over the world. Mm -hmm. And while they are getting us to sign purity contracts at eight years old, they are off doing their own thing, right? Because mm -hmm. they are above the law, religious law, spiritual spiritual law, whatever it is. And yeah. it's, a, it's ultimately, I guess, about control, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, what, that, what that brings up for me is this question of like who benefits from our disenfranchisement or our disconnection from our bodies and our pleasure. Like it's, it's by design. I think of the women in Iran right now. And mm -hmm. I mean, they are losing touch with themselves. Well, they're get they're getting in touch with themselves right now. And it's an amazing thing to see on the streets, but it's harming them because mm. the, those in power don't, don't want the status quo to change. And that is yeah. so scary, right? 
And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that would come down to pleasure if you were to sit some of those guys in the room and ask them what yeah. the deal was. Absolutely. So pleasure to you, because when I think of it, it's always very physical, whether it's eating, whether it's sex, whether it's getting a hug from a friend. Do you see it in a more holistic sense? Like, or is do you typically see it as a physical thing? I mean, I guess what comes up for me with that question is like, pleasure happens through our bodies. It doesn't happen through our minds, through this like idea. So yes, pleasure is intrinsically physical. It has to be. Mm-hmm. Pleasure requires a full body connection. It requires you being in your body mm-hmm. and experiencing the sensations that come up in your body that let you know that you're in the vicinity of pleasure, that you're feeling good. So I do think that it is a very like physical experience. But I don't necessarily think that it has to do with physical things. So like my body resonates with pleasure in a physical way, but I could be listening to a song or reading a book or having a really sweet memory that's not tactile, that's not necessarily something tangible that I can hold in my hands that can bring up that aliveness in my body. So yeah, I do think that the experience of pleasure is is intrinsically physical as, as it relates to what it feels like in the body, but I don't necessarily think that you have to touch or hold something to experience that. And that's what's cool about pleasure as a whole. It's that like, there's so much possibility. Like, yeah, the more, and I mean, I talk about pleasure all the time in my work and every time I just come to these new layers of like, oh, that's another experience of pleasure. And that's another experience of pleasure that I didn't even think about. So I really want to invite people to be curious explorers of their own pleasure spectrum and to think about, feel into the ways that pleasure shows up for them outside of these very prescriptive and like linear, not linear, um, like limited ways of viewing what it means to feel good mm-hmm. and see what happens. Okay. I'm so interested to hear what, be prescriptive here. Okay. So okay. somebody like me, aka me, a pleasure seeker. <laughs> A pleasure uh-huh. seeker. I'm happy when I'm seeking pleasure. I'm happy when I am indulging in pleasure. And if there is controversy, if there is something unpleasurable happening, I shut down and I I, I don't know what to do in that situation. And I handle it terribly. I can only function if I am in a state of pleasure or seeking pleasure. It's, a, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's great when things are going well, but when things are going, honey, I'm working. Can you please, do, would you like to say hi? And then you can go to bed. Okay. Hi. Hi. Yep, but honey. I don't know what this is. I'm so, it goes. So, first you have to read this, then, uh, and then this. Okay, then honey, this. I'm going to read it after. Okay, go show daddy. There's no daddy. No, no, Dad didn't do it right. Well, go show Daddy and then go to bed, okay? Because Mommy has to... I'm no, speaking no, with Evian right now. No, I showed Daddy and, and, and it was so hard for him to read and it was... And he didn't go. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Thank you. My husband's here now. <laughs> it's all good. 
bedtime, Evian, I put them to bed at 5.30 tonight. <laughs> 5.30. <laughs> this is the effect of Christmas. And it's a snow day tomorrow. They already called it. So there's no school. So the oh. excitement has like filtered. It's it's nuts right oh now God. in this house. It's chaotic. <laughs> Thank you for being so patient. Of course. Anytime. Can you, do you know where we were? I'm sorry. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were talking about um, pleasure seeking and how difficult it is yes. for you to be in that. And yeah. I want you to be prescriptive. What's wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? How do I fix this? I mean, I don't think that there's anything wrong with you. I think that that's just part of being human. Like we don't, we thrive in spaces where we feel good in them mm -hmm. and we shrink or we feel a lack of safety in places that don't feel good to us. So I think what you're speaking to, and maybe you can like come back and like talk a little bit more about your experience is that like, I'm wondering if there's something in there around balance, around like, because the truth of the matter is, is that the world is not going to be a pleasurable place all the time. Usually it's like not. never. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually argue that the world is usually unpleasurable Agreed. most of the time. Um, so like, what is it like for you to be in that space of not feeling good alongside knowing that it's possible for you to feel good? Mm -hmm. So that's like something that I work with my clients around who are like, okay, pleasure, all that sounds great. But like there's war and there's like racism and I'm getting triggered and my boss sucks and I don't want to go to work. And how can pleasure live here? Because it doesn't feel like those things can exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I'm even thinking about people who are chronically ill, who experience a lot of like chronic pain in mm -hmm. their body. And what is it like for them to experience pleasure in their bodies when their bodies is a place of pain and it's a pain, a place of um, contention? And so for all of those people, and maybe including you, I would say it's important to think about like, how can I hold the complexity of my experience of like, yeah, the world sucks. And also there is a moment of beauty here, even if it is the tiniest thing. Like something that I, I talk about with folks who have chronic pain is like maybe your entire body feels like it is inflamed, but can you locate one corner, one section of your body that you can feel a little bit of ease and a little bit of softness, even if it's just your pinky finger? And for those of us that are like, oh, I'm just like really overwhelmed and I feel really anxious and I don't know how to be with that. It's too uncomfortable. Like, can you be with that anxiety just a little bit and also acknowledge that there is pleasure here that can be found? And if pleasure is not the word, maybe it's just feeling good, or maybe it's feeling safe, or maybe it's feeling connected to your body or confident. Like we keep using the word pleasure, but I think all of those things are are connected, you know, mm -hmm. to our joy, to our feelings of safety and belonging. So yeah, I'm wondering how that lands for you. <laughs> if I answered the question, no, I, I think I think it lands well. And as somebody who likes to exist in a zone of pleasure and ideally constant pleasure, if I can in any like whatever way, I think that if I'm finding that I'm maybe like getting, you know, frustrated by a situation, if I'm feeling hopeless, if I'm feeling just at a loss, I think trying to focus back on one thing in my mind or that's around me that does bring me joy. 
And I, I think that that is helpful. Um, yeah. I think that'd be very helpful. And like already I've been having kind of a tough day and already this interview I'm getting pleasure from. I enjoy talking to you. I love this topic so much. Like this is where I thrive and uh, it's making me feel better about everything else that has happened mm. today. And that's already mm. – that's good. And then I'm going to have to sign off and deal with everything else. <laughs> but hopefully I'll be in a yeah. good – in a good headspace to do that. But no, that, that really resonates. And, you know, you brought up confidence and I had a few listeners write in knowing that you were coming on and they were all asking versions of the same question. And it had to do with losing their self-confidence or never having had self-confidence. Mm. Um, but several of them losing self-confidence after having kids and just not knowing where to start because your body's just thrown for such a loop right and if you have multiple pregnancies Mm. you're out of it for so long and like even me who loves intimacy like I forget how to initiate things I just get giddy and start like giggling and I'm like a horny teenage (laughs) boy like it's I have lost (laughs) all of it (laughs) so how do we get that confidence back Mm. I am not a parent that is not something that is part of my destiny in this lifetime. Uh, So I can't speak to the parenthood piece from a personal place, but I can look back and think on um, the experiences that I've had with clients who have kids. And that's something that I've heard from them so much of like, okay, like I want to be in pleasure. I want to be in my body, but my body belongs to somebody else. It belongs to my kid. I'm breastfeeding or like, you know, I, I'm not allowed to like, just be a person. Like I've got my kid trying to touch me all the time. Um, I've, I've heard words used of like feeling touched out or just Mm -hmm. like overtouched, overstimulated in that way. So there's a lot of factors, I think, that come into this, particularly with parents, particularly with moms and, and mothers. I guess like what I would I would offer for folks is like, what things can you do to bring connection back to your body, to yeah. make your body be yours again? Even if it's like the simplest thing, like taking a bath and being like, you are not allowed to come into this bathroom unless you're on fire. Like (laughs) mommy is taking a bath. Leave me alone. Like what are practices that you can do that remind you that yes, your body is of service to other people. It is a life giver. It is a nurturer, a caretaker, and also your body belongs to you. Mm -hmm. And that that is an important relationship that you have to continue to nurture. And that's the other piece of it, you know, being being a parent and having to raise kids or just having a, a job that requires you to look after a lot of people, to have a lot of responsibility. That's the first thing that goes, you know, mm. the first thing that goes is our connection with ourselves because we're giving, 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 giving. So yeah, I really suggest to folks like, And I think that that comes back to confidence because if we can create spaces for ourselves to be with ourselves, to remind ourselves that like, this is my body and this is what I, this is the things that I want to do to connect myself to it. I'm even thinking about like, not even just taking a bath, but like touching your body, you know, giving yourself self-massage, saying words of affirmation. The more that you're in your body, 
the more that you're able, I think, to access that confidence from an authentic place. I think a lot of us are really good at faking it till we make it, you know, (laughs) like this very like airy fairy up in the head overthinking, like this is what it looks like to be confident. And this is what it feels like to be confident. I'm going to put on this costume and like perform that. A lot of us are really good at that. Women are really good at that. We've had to be for a lot of us. That's a survival tactic or technique. But in order to get to like real, authentic, embodied confidence, it really starts with creating a relationship with your body, warts and all, like literally taking into consideration, like, how do I treat my body on a regular basis? What are the things that I say about my body in my own mind? And what spaces do I allow my body to occupy? And what spaces do I not allow my body to occupy? Like really turning that that energy inward rather than what I think we, a lot of us do with the confidence thing is like, oh, I got to like, I got to reach outward. I got to find that thing. I got to wear that article of clothing or the perfume or whatever to give me that feeling. And I mean, the spoiler alert is that the feeling is already in you. You just have to remember it and nurture it. All right, Evian, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by True Earth. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been on a mission to reduce our environmental footprint in the ways that we can because we are, you know, incredibly busy people. Yeah, I'm not going to reduce my footprint in a way that I can't. (laughs) One way that we can and one way that we're doing it is by eliminating single-use plastics in our household. And a really easy place to start if you're looking to kind of dip your toes into this as well is just by stopping buying all of the plastic cleaning products and laundry detergents that you normally buy. I can't even look at plastic jugs anymore. (laughs) They're getting sick to my stomach. (laughs) And True Earth makes all of these products for us. So you can get your household cleaner. You can get your detergent. You can get, I have been using, Shane, I want to know if you could tell, fabric softener they just came out with oh i was gonna say new deodorant yeah it's very nice the fabric softener. but true earth doesn't make deodorant no but have you felt that your clothes are like a little softer yeah i just thought because they're all new christmas stuff <laughs> <laughs> but it's really amazing so these all come in soluble strips that you simply you know toss in your washing machine or toss in a reusable container if you're using the household cleaner and they're soluble they dissolve and they work amazingly. They work so beautiful. And when it comes to the detergent, we usually opt for the baby one because it's fragrance-free and it's so gentle on the girl's skin. They both have really bad eczema. So that is very helpful. But we also love the Lilac Breeze scent, which we recommend you try. But guys, get into it. You can get a full subscription. You can do a one-time order. And our promo code works for both which is really amazing. What do you mean for that's, both what? So like you can get a one-time order and use our promo code to save 10% or you can get 10% off your entire subscription. Yeah, it, it's so good. Like even if you do not like the environment at all or you're agnostic <laughs> towards it, the amount of space you save. Oh, it's incredible. It's, you would not believe that you could fit a year's worth of strips in like, it's like a size of a book. Yeah, like we, a very thin paperback. We have three years worth of detergent in there right now. It's incredible. It's really incredible. But folks, check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth. And if you use our promo code, thisfamilytreat10, as I said, you're getting 10% off your order. So again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytreat10. But we are also supported by... 
Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh, if you haven't heard of them, they're a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto. This stuff is soft and cozy and oh. it's like Christmas all year round that I'm wearing my awesome new sweatsuit feeling that you get on Christmas. Oh, the quality yeah. is also phenomenal, right? And like these That's are- what I mean. You get that feeling yeah. of a new piece of clothing, but all year round. And these are, you know, they primarily do kids' clothing. And this is like fashionable wardrobe staples that you can pass from kid to kid. These are the hand-me-downs that your kid actually wants. And regardless of gender, everything is in really beautiful colors, really beautiful shades. Our kids love them. Like Lucy wants to wear her mini miosh dresses during the day, at night, whenever. And we love it because we know that they're made well. We know that they're made with thought. And we know that they're going to last her. But they also now have a women's collection. Yeah, I think they're equal parts women's collection now. Like they're not they're just in the there. kids game. No, they're they're getting equal parts. They keep dropping products and they're all incredible. So this is called the M and West collection. So like the kids clothes, they are made using organic cotton fabrics that are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. The women's collection is also just that simple. It's a lot of it's French terry, which I'm obsessed with because it doesn't pill when you wash it. It really is the best feeling. And people are probably thinking, Shane, you BS are just saying anything your sponsors want you to say. No, <laughs> they gave me this winter hat. It is the softest hat in the world. I wear it all the time, indoors and out, 24-7. I've worn Alex's jumpsuit because they don't have men's clothes for whatever reason. <laughs> this clothing is the real deal. And I it's, wouldn't lie to you. No, it's amazing. And you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US and it is one use per customer. So load up your carts. Yes, that's key. It is key info. And again, that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. And now let's get back to our conversation. Well, I saw on your page recently, um, you said something like we need to find a, f a form of wellness that doesn't make us feel bad about ourselves, right? Mm. And yes, that was Alex, Alex L that said that. Mm -hmm. And that's it is very much what you're saying right now. And it's everything is kind of wrapped up to be like, oh, no, but if you do this, you're going to feel so much better about yourself. But then it's creating a problem within you that you have to then fix through that thing rather than just saying, no, warts and all, love yourself, give yourself that time because you deserve it inherently. Yeah. You don't need to change or spend money or do whatever to feel good and to, mm. you know, be a practitioner of wellness or whatever it is. And I think that yeah. is so important. It's important now. And like, everything's fucking expensive. Everything is time consuming. And yeah. loving yourself without any condition is the easiest and probably the quickest way to actually gain more confidence, feel self-respect. Yeah. Everything. It's hard work. It's really yeah. hard work. And I want to just like presence in this conversation that everything that I'm saying is so much easier to say than it is to do, particularly given the social context that yeah. we're in around the messages that we've inherited around pleasure and being in our bodies, around taking that space and time to be with ourselves, um, around making decisions that prioritize our needs and look at like, no, I'm not going to constantly be a caretaker of 
other people, I also need to caretake myself. And yeah, it's, it's, this is really, really difficult work because we're really, we're not just going against, um, culture. We're also in a lot of ways going against ourselves and what we've Mm -hmm. been taught. And also too, you know, that, that piece of like, I think why people don't like to sit with themselves and make that time is because what you find is not often very (laughs) exciting to look at. Yeah. It's not fun. You're hiding it for a reason or exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the moments that I sit with my body as, as I'm talking about um, today in terms of practice, that's when anxiety comes up. Mm -hmm. That's when like my wounded inner child is like, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. So like, of course we don't want to do that work because we don't want to look at the quote unquote ugly parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I have seen so much transformation when we are able to hold those parts of ourselves alongside with like what we're trying to move toward, which is more pleasure, more connection, more desire, more connection to joy and other people. We also have to include those hard parts because they're a part of us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. They, we can, we can both and them, we can hold them at the same time. And, you know, in regards to transformation and doing that work within yourself, I want to ask about your personal journey. I saw you using the phrase ace and I was like, what's an ace? So I went to Google Mm. and I was like, ace in sexual terms. And (laughs) then it was asexual. And I was like, oh, that seems obvious now. So you're on the asexual spectrum. Is that correct? That's right. Mm -hmm. And did you find that out about yourself through kind of sitting there with those parts of yourselves and doing that work? Well, this is actually a perfect example of avoiding <laughs> because like <laughs> I I'm 35 and I only just recently discovered this about myself and it's not because it just popped up out of nowhere I have always been on the ace spectrum I have always been someone that has low desire who doesn't really get sexually attracted to people who doesn't feel that carnal physical, visceral urge Mm -hmm. to rip somebody's clothes off like everybody else. Like I don't get horny. I have always had that as an experience, but what I've been taught, what is shown on the media, what I hear from other people is that like, that's not normal. That if you are occupying that, then that means that there's something wrong with you. There's no room for variation or nuance within sexuality. And that's something that I learned through the work that I do and also just from personal experience with it. Like we like to give so much grace and so much space for there to be many different ways that people can be a human being on this planet. But when it comes to sex, we should all have sex the same way. We should all desire it the same way. We should all be attracted to folks in the same way. And that's just not how bodies work. So just to give a little context for people who may have never heard of asexuality or the ace spectrum, a lot of us, myself included, grew up with this understanding that asexuality is a fixed identity. Mm -hmm. It is, if you are an asexual person, you don't like having sex, you never want to have sex, you have no desire for sex or romance or intimacy, sex in and of itself is repulsive to you. And there's no variation between that. It's either you are you are a sexual being, you want sex all the time, you love it, you desire it, or you're asexual and you don't want to have anything to do with it. And oftentimes what culture has done all the time, what culture has done is pathologized asexual people and have said, well, 
sexuality is a biological imperative. Sex is an important part of every romantic relationship. We would not be able to have planet Earth or human beings without procreation. And that's actually not true. So the way that sexuality or asexuality is being talked about now, which I am so grateful for, is that rather than seeing asexuality on this very uh, binary black or white thing, asexuality is on a spectrum. So there are people who do experience repulsion with sex or just an indifference, like they could take it or leave it. And there are people who have high libidos, but they're also identifying as ace because they don't experience sexual attraction. There are so many different ways to be asexual. And this lie that I think we've been told that asexuality is very rare and that it's something that can be cured and that it's not natural or it's not normal. Yeah, I'm living proof. Like I am an asexual person. I have a sex life. I enjoy pleasure. I love orgasms and I'm ace. And like that can be a thing that can happen. And I I suspect that once people understand that there is so much more nuance and so much more variation within sexuality as a whole, not even just within asexuality, but sexuality as a whole, they might find that they have more in common with a person who is asexual than they originally thought. So um, for me, I found this out about myself because I read a book and it completely changed my life and also scared the shit out of me because I was like, if this is true about me, what does this mean for my work? What does this mean for my relationship? I was dealing with a lot of internalized ace phobia, you know, being afraid of being Mm -hmm. ace and feeling like I can't be this thing because I won't be loved. I won't, I'll be missing out on a fundamental part of, of life by saying to myself and being honest that sex is not the top priority for me. But there's also a lot of freedom in that. Like I have found so much freedom and liberation and being like, yeah, I would rather eat a slice of chocolate cake than have sex like 99% of the time of my life. And that has nothing to do with my partner. My partner is really beautiful. He's hot. We've been together for a long time. It's just not my preference. Mm -hmm. Just like some people don't like cilantro. (laughs) I'm like not the biggest fan of sex. It tastes like soap And also, yeah, like, and also- I understand that sex isn't just about penetration to orgasm. Mm -hmm. Like I have blown open this idea that sex is about intimacy. It's about connection. It's about pleasure and sensuality. And all of those things are so open-ended. And I can experience that with my partner in ways that have nothing to do with penetration or orgasm. I agree. And I I think that's such a good jumping off point too for, you know, women who are trying to regain confidence in that. Don't start with that start with massage start with just cuddling start with something that involves intimacy but that is not that and that does wonders for your confidence and for your just your feelings of closeness and I think I think that is so amazing and you know I want to ask so being an ace if I'm using that correctly because honestly I, I had never heard that term prior to you asexual of course but um do you find it is it's interesting in conjunction with your work as a sensuality doula a little bit only like only you know if somebody's kind of hearing that so I'm curious do you find that they are actually compatible or do you find that you're a little bit at odds with yourself not at all 
a lot of my clients are on the ACE spectrum. I work with a lot of people who are like, the way that society has told me I'm supposed to want sex and do sex and perform sex and be in my pleasure does not work for me. And that doesn't mean that I don't want to have sex or be in a relationship with pleasure. I do. I just need to find ways that I can do that, that are authentic to me, Mm -hmm. that don't look like me overriding my body, that don't look like me um, abandoning myself or violating myself, violating my no. Um, So a lot of the work that I do with people is around like, what does it look like for you to create a sexuality that feels like yours, that is outside of the scripts that we've been given about what sex and sexuality and intimacy and pleasure look like. And like so much beautiful things happen when I offer that as an, like an invitation to ponder for people like, Oh, you mean I don't have to do this thing that everybody else says that I should be doing? Like I can choose, I can choose how I want to be in my sex life. A really beautiful example of this. I was working with a client a couple of years back we worked together twice, once in this first half of, of her life or in this first period of her life. It was like, I I used to be in college and I was so horny all the time. I was going to bars and having casual sex. I was so confident. I felt so vivacious and alive in my body. And I don't feel that anymore. How can I get that version of me back? Because she was so fun and she was so confident and she had amazing sex. So we worked with each other uh, for about a year, we got to a really good place of confidence within her sexuality. And then she approached me not too long ago was and was like, okay, so all that work that we did, I'm kind of back to where I started. I'm back to feeling like I'm disconnected from my sexuality. I'm not in my body. I really want my old self back again. And we did a lot of work. We did a lot of talking. We did a lot of somatic practices. And um, we got really deep into like what it was that she was trying to get back. And what she was trying to get back, what was revealed was this, it was a facade. Like this idea of her being this casual sex person who would go to bars, like she had this moment where she realized, I actually wasn't doing that from a place of pure desire. I didn't feel like I had any other choice. Like I felt like that was the way that you're supposed to act. Like you're in college, you have a lot of one night stands, you're supposed to be risky and sexual and horny all the time. And it was really illuminating for her to think that like, oh, this whole time I've been trying to chase this version of me that wasn't authentic to me at all. And it was also this like simultaneous identity crisis because she was like, well, who am I then? (laughs) Like if I have been trying to be this person and I'm realizing that that is not someone I sexually am, who am I? Mm -hmm. Turns out she was ace. Turns out she was overriding her body the whole time and trying to fit herself into a narrative of sexuality and intimacy with her partner that didn't work for her. And so she and her husband have created a beautiful sexual relationship with each other that has taken sex in a totally different way than she originally thought. Like she was very honest and said, I don't like sexual penetration. Like uh, penetration hurts. It's not something that I enjoy. And when I said to her, you get to choose, like you don't have to have penetrative sex if you don't want to. She was like, oh my God, really? Like, yes. <laughs> you and your partner can create a sexual relationship that doesn't include things that harm you or that mm-hmm. make you feel not good in your body. So I like to give that as an example because like 
that is a really great example of people, a lot of people who walk around, a lot of women who walk around thinking like, oh, I just want to get my confidence back. And then when they think about it, it's like, oh, actually that was just a performance that I was putting Mm -hmm. on so that I could feel loved and that I could feel like I belonged. Validation. And yeah. And I mean, that's not the experience for every single Mm -hmm. person, but for me, it was, it was one of like the highlights of my work is watching this beautiful transformation with this person who went from being like, I am not good enough. I used to be so sexual to being like, oh, that was all a farce. I I was taught that I should be like that. And now I get to choose how I want my sex life to be. You know, you mentioned scripts and like thinking about the scripts and you're around my age. So, you know, similar things, but like whether it's a religious script, a purity or cultural, like American Pie, Euro Trip, whatever the hell movie came out when we were like you and I of a formative age yeah. and seeing these things. And it really lays out not only how much sex you should be having, but also the dynamics of sex. Right. Because it never focused on women. It was mm-hmm. like, so that script definitely screwed up a lot of people I know. Oh, yeah. Men and women. like Myself included. <laughs> yeah, it, it it makes so much sense. And I, I like to see and I like to think that things are coming around culturally in that way, too, um, wh- which is amazing. And then, and then people like you who are making these opportunities known to people because Instagram, I, you know, I get – pissed off at Instagram sometimes and social media in general because I'm like, ah, it's not good for anything. But then it's great for a lot of things. It's great for finding out about yourself, for making connections with like-minded people, for learning about, even, even if it's not your own thing, learning about other things and becoming more empathetic, becoming more open. And Evian, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I've really loved this conversation. And I want to give you the chance to tell followers, where can they get your book? Where can they follow you? Where can they do everything, hire you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Um, There are many places you can find me. Uh, As you said, I have a book. It is called Sensual Self, which is a guided journal with prompts and practices to help you connect to your body and your pleasure. And you can find that wherever you find books. Um, I also have a podcast called Sensual Self. So it's the same title as my book, SEO. Uh, That's um, a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Sensual Self is a podcast where we talk exactly about what we've been talking about today, pleasure and being in your body and sex and asexuality Mm -hmm. and compulsory sexuality and gender and all these really lovely things. Um, we've had some really great guests like Adrian Marie Brown. I just recently had Alex L on the show talking about what it means to heal ourselves. So Sensual Self, you can find that as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And in terms of where people can hire me if they want to work with me, I think the best place would be to just join my newsletter. I'm always dropping like very random, sporadic, like, hey, I have an opening in my schedule for one session this month. Are you all open to it? Um, So you can join my newsletter by going to my website, evianwhitney.com and then slash subscribe. And that's where you can find even more about me, get in touch with me off of Instagram. Because as you said, Instagram, I have such a love-hate relationship with it. More more times it's like a hate-hate relationship. Um, (laughs) But if folks want to find me there, they can find me over at evian.whitney. 
That's amazing. Evian, thank you truly so much. I, I've really enjoyed this. I think you're wonderful. And you got that good microphone, which makes your audio come in <laughs> so crispy, which is really nice. And it's a nice change. So thank you podcast for that. Podcast life, too, right? It's all about podcast <laughs> life. Yeah, I, I know this. This is my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. And enjoy the holiday season. Enjoy yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, same to you. Take care. It's been very nice meeting you. Yeah, likewise. Take care. Okay, Alex, that was very sexual and hot. Or was it? I didn't listen to the interview. Was it not hot? I don't know. I think it was, you know, we sat in a period of just appreciating and talking about the need to appreciate. And I thought it was beautiful more than anything. But I hope you all enjoyed it. I really, really did love that conversation. Uh, Lucy was thought she was real cool because she snuck in on that one a couple times to say hello to Evian, which was uh, very embarrassing for me. But I'm so glad that we're on the question segment. This is where you write in. We answer them. We call it the mailbag segment. Shane, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. How do you decide what to get each other as gifts for big events? So they're talking like Christmas, anniversary, birthdays. I hate to be unoriginal, but I just ask. Like like (laughs) you, what I decide to get you? Yeah. Yeah. I ask you what you want. Or I, since I'm a little bit lucky because you have an account and sometimes you post things you're interested mm-hmm. in, I screen grab. Smart. And write it. I text myself. If you say something offhand, I'll put it in my notes and then screen grab my notes in my iPhone. So yeah, that's the best thing. And the, the further out from the event, if you can keep your eyes and ears open, the bigger the surprise will be during that event so you know anything longer than a month and you hear something good and if it's two months away you might blow that person's mind well that's what i could have done with the rodman thing because i had had rodman shirt written down in my notes because this is what i recommend same as shane keeping something in your notes so i just have shane gifts and then i just add ideas down throughout the year when i come across them and Months ago, Shane and I were talking about Dennis Rodman's new clothing line and like his drops and how awesome they were. So I was like, oh, this could be cool. He never explicitly said that he wanted one. We were just talking about it being cool. But I wrote that down because I was like, this could be sweet. And then that surprise, that long planning was uh, gone. Well, there was a tennis player who's a bit of a bad boy and he was wearing a Dennis Rodman shirt. And I remember showing it to you and saying like, oh, I would like this kind of. But it was so long ago, I would never think you'd remember Anyway, I realize now we've never got to like critique my gifts. You said you like them, but what was one gift you were like, come on, Shane, this one's not going to fly. You have to throw one gift in the trash right now. What's going in that heap? Wait, I'm trying to think of what. Okay, I'm only saying this because they're already a little bit ruined. Hurt me. Shane got me these really cute fuzzy pajama pants from Blue Notes. I love those pants. (laughs) No, they're cute. They're like, Lucy said they look like cow pants because they're brown and cream. But they have yin-yang symbols all over them. Um, And I love them. However, they they have a rip in the side. Okay, so those were pants. I saw them. They were on like the sale rack outside the store. So the store is trying to get rid of them. Because <laughs> they're off a hole. I don't know. But they were down from nineteen ninety nine to $9.99. That's amazing. And I just saw them. I got so excited. I said to myself, Alex is going to love these. But like any extreme emotion, it always is either the best or the worst. It's not the worst. They just have a hole. That's the only reason I'm ditching them. 
So you are ditching Hypothetically. Them. No, I'm keeping them in real life. I'm going to see if somebody can sew them up. Okay. I like them. I think they're adorable and they're comfy. Yeah, I got the vibe that there was a little bit of fakeness going on when you were trying those on. You know, There the, was none. In the polite way. They had. They just had a hole and I didn't want to tell you right away. Okay. That's all. Well, I said I would take it like a man. <laughs> and, it, and I did. But yeah, so I think it comes down to just keeping a list and knowing what they want. And like Shane proved with the gift of the ridiculous pink shoes, the best gift is something that is just extravagant or luxurious. And that doesn't have to mean expensive by any means. Just maybe something they wouldn't necessarily go out of the way to buy themselves, but you know they want. And those always feel like the most gifty things, you know? Yeah. Uh, the next question. Okay, this is a two-parter. Are babysitters worth it? And what is the going rate for a sitter? So we have only just had our first out-of-family babysitter. Shane was going out with his friends one night. A girlfriend was like, Alex, I got an extra ticket to this thing. You want to come? And I said, yeah, except like Shane's also that night and I don't have family around. So we got a sitter, my friend's younger sister, who's a university student. And I felt great. Like I'm so comfortable with her. Obviously, I've known her since she was a baby. But I got stressed about what to pay her. Right. So I started asking my girlfriends and I'm like, oh, how much do you guys pay sitters? They have only used sitters from this like either family or from this website. It's like, I don't know, parents like moms can go on and say, hey, I'll babysit your kids or whatever. And then What's you can the babysit mine. It's freaking expensive. They're they're charging like 20 to 30 dollars per hour. Wow. Which okay. is ridiculous. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to pay this girl, Angela. We'll pay her minimum wage, fifteen fifty an hour which is a great night for her because we were out for like six hours and whatever. But then I was saying when I was a babysitter, it was like a flat rate. And the parents would just be like, okay, we'll give you 60 bucks for the night. 60? It was Are, like 20 when I was a kid. Yeah, but for a whole night, like if they're coming home at one or two? Oh, yeah. Oh. Not that I ever babysat, but I, I remember <laughs> Tiff did it. Yeah, yeah, and Tiff, I remember someone uh, with my sister, Tiffany, they – promised to give her 20 bucks and they only gave her 10 oh and then they were supposed to give her the 10 later and they uh, never did that's awful. my mom spent months maybe even years tracking this woman down and harassing <laughs> her every week where's the 10 dollars where's the 10 dollars until she fucking got it why didn't they just give it to her right away i i don't know i don't know i think they just thought it was such an insignificant amount it wouldn't matter but my uh, my mom was like, it's not about the money. I just want to know you're, you're willing to give it. And that's, I have so much of that. I love it so yeah. much because if anyone does that to me, I'm the same way. I just have to get it. But it's all to say, wow, in the prices, how they've gone up. I'm shocked you got 60. You know, okay, so that was likely on holidays, like New Year's Eve and things and over the Christmas holidays where people tend to pay yeah, more. that's when Tiff was doing it. But I think... Honestly, I think for a going rate, a regular Saturday would be like 40 flat rate. Wow. Yeah. Which was pretty good. Yeah. If Tiff was at like a rich person's house, she'd get 40. Mm -hmm. Mind you, Tiff's 10 years older than you. Yeah. Yeah. But the one, like the one thing was that our kids were asleep too, right? So she didn't have to do anything. She sat on the couch and ate some ice. Yeah, you're was paying amazing. for their, their time. Yeah. And I, I didn't mind. So ultimately, I mean, I had an amazing night out with my friends. You had an amazing night out with your friends. We both ended up getting home at the same time, ordered pizza, 
ate an extra large and then went to bed. It was a perfect night. I found it worth it as I'm not going to do it all the time, but I did find it worth it that night. Is it worth it for both parents to go out? Obviously on a date night, it's worth it. But I mean, separately, is it worth it for both parents to go out? If there's something significant. And I think that that night that we both were out was significant because you had your annual Christmas party with your friends. And then a friend that I haven't hung out with since I had kids was like, hey, come with me to this. And honestly, it was a band that I loved. And it was a girl that I loved. Like I hadn't seen her in ages and we had a great time. You love Born in the 80s, the 80s cover band? As a bar band, there's so much fun to dance to. I feel like you exaggerated your love of that band. Oh, a little Mr. Roboto. I don't know anybody that doesn't love. Okay, touche. Sentence came out ridiculous, but yeah, it was worth it. (laughs) Next question. Go to quick dishes for a party. So Shane and I, we don't contribute to like family Christmases because we're running around like chickens with their heads chopped off. But I did make breakfast for my family this year and I've made the same thing for the past three years. So I will say my go-to quick dish is Chrissy Teigen's Frosted Flake like a casserole thing for breakfast. It sounds disgusting, but I can assure you that it's amazing. It's basically like French toast with buttery frosted flakes on top. That's all it is, yeah. It's tasty, right? Very. I could eat a whole bowl of frosted flakes just covered in butter. <laughs> that casserole, whatever. It's the, the secret ingredients, just frosted flakes so and good. butter. It's so good. And aside from that, one thing I love, if you're looking for quick dishes, I like to do, and I, I used to do this a lot when we weren't doing good food, but like it's great for a barbecue or like whatever potluck kind of party. Just solely from what we like i love buffalo wings and you could just do a really good buffalo like a slow cooker buffalo pulled chicken throw them in there at the beginning of your day raw chicken breast tons of buffalo sauce look up a recipe online lots of butter and it's just like the most tender delicious spicy thing and it's always a winner whether you do it on buns or like i don't know however people like it it's delicious you can't lose what about you, Shane? Have you ever brought a dish to a potluck or a party? Mm, Roma pizza. It's a hit. I'm, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a food person. But wait, explain Roma pizza because this pizza is from our city. It's from Hamilton. And I think it is confined to Hamilton. I don't think that people outside of our city know what this is, but it's like the most famous food item here. Sounds disgusting. It is just a piece of delicious bread. With sauce on it. No cheese. I know what you're thinking. No cheese on a pizza and you still call it a pizza? Yes. Something about the sauce. It's special. It's somehow the sauce is like, I was reading up on it. It's like sugar-free or- It's amazing. There, It seems like it'd have all this crap in it, but it's actually, by pizza standards, it's relatively healthy and it's addicting. If you give it a chance, it's addicting. The way I think about it is like all dressed chips. Mm-hmm. If you're in Canada, you know all dressed chips are our chips. Yeah, they're a little shocking though for someone to try them if they're from the states, and you might get, you might never eat them again if you just tried them once. Right. If you're from the states, because they've tried to integrate them into the states, but people don't give it enough of a chance. That is wild to me. But Roma pizza, amazing. We had a bunch of them for our wedding too. Yeah. They're, they're it fun. is polarizing. There is like one out of 
five people who will absolutely refuse to give it a chance, even in Canada. One of the nice reasons that it's actually great for a potluck or a party is because it's not hot. It's not a hot pizza. You have it room temp. That's another thing. Yes, it's in better cold. Yeah, so you can just have it like in a fridge or out on a counter. You don't have to eat anything up. You just show up with those babies and they are at the perfect level for the entire length of the party. I want it so bad. I want it so bad too. I want the hot and spicy one. Folks, they have one with what is banana peppers on it. Oh, and like spicy garlic oil or something is delicious. Oh, it's so good. Okay, next question. Oh, wait, no, I had something else written there. And I want to say, I've never made this, but we had this. This was a part of our Polish Christmas Eve party uh, because we can't eat meat, right? So my mom did this amazing salmon board. So you've heard of what, like the butter board that doesn't really seem appealing to me where you put bread and it's all layer butter. But we did a thin layer of sour cream then capers and smoked salmon. And then it was surrounded by like crostinis and rye bread and then pickled onions and radishes. And then you just kind of scoop up the sour cream and the salmon and the caper. And oh my God, it was amazing. Shane's not a fish guy, but take my word for it. It was like phenomenal. It was so good. And I highly recommend it for, you know, if you're going to a fish eater's party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Tell us about your night of, like the labor starting at home, everything from the ride there to the ride back. Did you have wine, etc.? That's our question. We're like 11 days away from having our kid. So. Uh, wait, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Did you have wine? Well, it's funny that they asked that. And I think it's because this person. So this is from a question asker who is having a child soon approximately 11 days I guess and they want to know how it went for us and the wine question is funny because I guess she's just had a hard this is where I was anyway had a hard pregnancy and you're like oh man can't wait till a glass of wine but do you remember our night before we had Lucy yeah we were somewhere and someone told us to eat a steak where were we I think the OB probably told me to have a steak. Yeah, because we went to the hospital. We thought you were going to have the baby. Then they said it's going to be some hours. Uh, come back tomorrow. Have a Go out to the keg, they told us. Well, because I was getting induced, right? So I had gone in for all these like pre-induction things. I, and the last thing I had was the Foley catheter. So we had the balloon out. They did a sweep. They did a check. And they said, you know what? Go home. Relax. Eat a good steak. Eat a good meal. We'll come back in the morning and and we'll get you hooked up to the machine and you're going to have your baby. You're going to be induced, you know, with the Pitocin or whatever. So we go home. We knew we were going to have the baby that weekend. So nothing was a surprise. And I asked my OB, I was like, look, since it's coming tomorrow, will there be an issue? Like, can, can I have a little bit of red wine to go with this beautiful steak we're planning on having? And she said, yes. So we had a big, bloody rare steak. Where'd we get a steak from? I think we got it from the keg, babe. I think we ordered it out because we're not cooking a steak the night before, baby. Wow. I have photos on my phone. I can look later to see if it's keg steak, but I'm pretty sure we got the steak with blue cheese. I'm so hungry right now. I know. (laughs) But we had had a glass of red wine and we're like, this is our last dinner together before baby. And then first thing in the morning, we went to our favorite breakfast spot. Same thing. Had a beautiful breakfast. Then went to the hospital, had the baby. And they kept telling me, because I've had two inductions now, and both times they said, okay, once we hook you up to the machine, it's going to take forever. Like, you know, this might slow down your labor. Didn't happen either time. 
Lucy came out after 15 minutes of pushing and Betty was, what, three? Yeah, Betty just slipped right out. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, And that was with an induction. So if you have any induction questions, I'm more than happy to ask because I know a lot of negative experiences get shared out there. But I'm always happy to talk about my like super positive ones because they're really good. But do you remember driving there? I drove us to the hospital. I remember that. It helped put my mind at ease a little. Why? I don't know. I like driving. I like being the, you know, the boss in that way. So I think driving us to the hospital made me feel calm. Yeah, my friend told me his wife drove him too. Really? Yeah, Danica drove. <laughs> well, she's the driver of the family too, like I am. So if it was anyone else, would you still want to drive her just because it was me? No, I think it was just like, it's our thing. And I didn't want to like switch it up, you know, like it felt good. I mean, you drove home, obviously. I was in bad shape. Would it be right to assume right now that you don't have any more questions? No, I have another one. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, sweet. I just didn't know if we were ready for it. Oh, okay. Because I felt like <laughs> some sort of stallings going on. No, and no, I wanted no. to know why. No, no, I have one more question. Okay. My friend thinks her spouse is cheating. He denies it. What steps should she take? Okay. So I thought about this. I looked it up. I looked at like therapists. I looked at a couple Reddit forums as well as what I think. And then Shane, you think about your answer. My answer is first, get proof. Secondly, save proof so that you can actually have a conversation about it. Then try to determine the root of your problem before you bring it forward to them. Determine on your own whether it's something that you want to work through together or move on from. Hmm. And then talk to them and see if, you know, it's a problem that you guys can fix together. If it's a problem you want to fix together, why they're doing this, what, you know, what direction you guys want to go in and tackle it that way. I that's what I the, say. My problem is right at the, your first thing is get proof. Mm-hmm. What if you, what if the person's cheating and you can't find proof? Proof does not mean that your husband is, obviously, I guess if you find cold, hard proof, they're cheating. Yeah. But if you don't, that's not to say they're not cheating. True. I Like there's people I've heard of that have the, these weird apps that, put your phone in another thing and make it seem like there's there's a person i don't know them personally but i know of them (laughs) it's like out of a movie living like two lives and it's and just never caught it's impossible to catch them because they're they've dedicated their life to a, a lie yeah almost so i don't think that proof no proof means they're not cheating so right. i i think have the conversation, sit down, uh, talk about why why you think of all these things. And honestly, you can probably just tell. And if it feels off and if you feel that way all the mm-hmm. time, that's a bigger problem than the cheating itself. Yeah. So like you don't want to have that uncomfortable feeling all the time in your whole relationship. Mm-hmm. So figure out why you're having that feeling and just get to the root of it. And this like happy when they see you sneaky like when the husband leaves they're like sneaking and rooting through their stuff that's a terrible way to go about it terrible just talk to them and uh figure it out that way okay but what if they just keep denying but you still feel like they're not telling the truth then you just is that when you say then you just say okay well we got to end it because i feel so uncomfortable yeah try not not end it necessarily but just 
talk about it further go to couples therapy have some intermediary figure it out that way i think because then i think that's smarter than my way well just no because (laughs) i guess i guess proof yeah yeah do do some digging i mean if you get proof but Mm -hmm. just because you don't get proof sometimes the if there's so not proof that could mean that just this person's just so careful yeah no that's smart that's super smart so just attack like kind of head on yeah and you can get a feeling yeah and just if if something why do you want to be in a relationship if you always think that there's some cheating going on too just the the question is a problem in itself well i say go with shane's option because i think it would cause less shit than my option to be to be fair yeah just direct head on Mm -hmm. have the conversations and then if they're like oh you're too um you know suspicious and they break up with you it wasn't meant to be anyway yeah and they're probably breaking up with you because you're suspicious because you were right so there you go you win yeah who knows and i mean good luck with that to your friend and good luck to the folks having a baby soon also congratulations congratulations soon I guess, or congratulations on making the this. Yeah, I'm just saying congrats for even having the baby, like making it. There you go. That, that is worthy of congratulations. But folks, thank you so much for listening. If you have a second, we would so love it if you could go and give us a five-star rating, a little comment. It makes our day. And have a wonderful rest of your holidays. Thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Treat, Treat Podcast. Podcast, episode 156.